This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning comic book store, Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. And listeners like you, head to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click donate or check us out at Patreon backslash TwoHeadedNerd. From the Ziggurat at Omaha, this is the Weekly Nerd News Update with your two-headed reporter, Joe and Matt. Welcome to your THN Nerd News Update for the week of February 18th through the 25th. I'm your head number one, the internet's Joe Patrick. And I'm your head number two, my name is Matt Baum, and once again, we start in Hollywood. So what do you say we work this out in a nice, peaceful... Matt, it looks like Hellboy is getting another shot at the big screen. For those of you counting at home, this would be his third movie continuity and fourth big screen adventure. (laughs) Deadline dropped the news that Brian Taylor is set to direct from a script by Mignola himself, alongside his frequent Dark Horse Comics collaborator Christopher Golden, titled Hellboy, The Crooked Man. The film is set to begin production next month in... A Bulgogia. Where where else do you film this but Bulgaria, right? Yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> Prague, you know, yeah. like Czech Republic. One you of those have things. to. Deadline says that the reboot will see Hellboy and a rookie BPRD agent stranded in 1950s rural Appalachia. There, they discover a small community haunted by witches led by a local devil with a troubling connection to Hellboy's past, the Crooked Man, which, of course, fans of the comic will remember hit shelves in July of 2008. Matt, as the Ziggurat's pickiest Hellboy film fan, are they finally going to make a Hellboy movie for you? Maybe. You big crybaby. Maybe, yeah. So I'm on record. I don't love, the, the, the Del Toro movies are very pretty and they look great. You know, Del Toro, he's great at that stuff. It just didn't feel like a Hellboy story to me. It was too big. It was too wild. The latest, the David Harbour one. It was an action movie. David Harbour looked great. And everything else about the movie was terrible. Oh, no, I hated David Harbour. I hated, like, I don't give, I don't want Hellboy with his long flowing hair. No. Yeah, it's creepy. Don't make him sexy. I don't need him sexy, you know? It's not even that. It's just like, no, put Hellboy's hair up in that little man bun thing that he's got. I don't need it to be flopping around like that. But the point being is we never got the tone. And this time, they're saying a lot of things that sound really good. It's rated R. It is a horror story. It is an app. You know, they're they're doing it in Appalachia. It's not world spanning. It's not the end of the world. It's not his dad is coming. Like this is a contained horror story starring the Crooked Man, right out of that really creepy Richard Corbin drawn comic book. It was Magnolia wrote it. Corbin drew it, and it was so scary <laughs> because Richard Corbin draws really scary stuff. I mean, now, it's gross. Yeah. Here's he what worries really me. Gross stuff. Brian Taylor. I'm not saying that a guy can't have a career renaissance and start whipping ass. I don't even know if I, I don't even know if it would be condescending to call it a career renaissance. People got to work. I'm not saying people get hired to do shit all the time, but he was the director of crank and crank Two. He was also the director of ghost rider spirit of vengeance. Now you could say, Hey, he was young. He was taking jobs. He did what he could do. Right. He's also the writer of a bunch of stuff. Like he wrote happy, comic book adaptation of happy which wasn't a Uh bad show kind of wackadoo but not a terrible show he also wrote the screenplay for 2010's jonah hex joe (laughs) none of these things fill me with a lot of confidence (laughs) no and i'll tell you what doesn't i tell you what else doesn't really fill me with confidence not that it not that it doesn't mean it won't be good but um look 
you and I might disagree about this, but there's nothing about Hellboy that screams rated R to me. I don't think Hellboy needs to be rated R. I think this story it, hell, does. If they're going to do like the cannibal no, scenes does, no, with man, the witches are, and shit, you can't do that look, in a PG-13 movie. Yes, you can. Like the Magnola comics aren't rated R. The Magnola comics are atmosphere and mood. They're not buckets of gore. This comic and there featured are, witches feasting on children in a panel. Yeah, eating I, them. Look, man, I understand. <laughs> I understand, but there are plenty of PG-13 horror movies that get away with uh, lots of shocking bloody stuff. I, I, I mean, yeah, I get it. Rated R does keep you from doing uh, some things, but Hellboy is saying that uh, the Hellboy new Hellboy movie is going to be rated R is not a selling point to me. The last Hellboy movie was rated R is terrible. Yeah, it was garbage. Hellboy is more about the mood and the tone than I don't, it is. I don't disagree, but saying it's rated <laughs> like, R says to me, we're gearing this to adults. And that's what makes me go, okay, I'm interested. This is I going guess. to be an adult film. Let's do it. Because the last I mean, I, one, while it was geared towards adults, was just garbage. There was no story. It, it was impossible well, it, to follow. <laughs> and it was boring. Somehow they made it boring. <laughs> well, but that was also based on specific Mignola books. But like, they, like, they mashed like three of them together and Mignola didn't write it. The thing that. Yeah, it was like the Wild Hunt and like, yeah, some other. The things, thing but. that gives me a glimmer of hope is that Mignola and Golden are writing this. And, sure. and everything that Taylor says in the interview, he loves this stuff. Like he goes deep into serious Hellboy nerd talk. Uh, so he talks about how like there's going to be three leads, Hellboy, Tom Farrell, and we know this new surprise character created by Mignola is probably this B rookie BPRD. Agent. Who's Tom Farrell? Tom Farrell was a kid, grew up in Appalachia, messed around with witchcraft, figured out he was tricked by which helps Hellboy with the whole crooked man, to like find the devil. He knows who the crooked man is. He's, I mean, I haven't read the crooked man since it came out. Yeah, so. he's based on like an old weird <clears throat> tales character that Magnola loves. Look, he's done the homework and all he does is sing about like, I want to make sure the look is there. I want to make sure the feel is there. He's saying all the right things, but looking at his body of work, it is hard to trust Taylor. That's all I'm going to say about it. I'm cautiously optimistic. Uh, I, yes, I, I think that we have I think that people in Hollywood have proven time and again that their past work doesn't define them necessarily. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like there are some there are some people that are known for making it like Uwe Boll, you know, uh, like he's known for making one kind of terrible thing. Sure. Guillermo del Toro is known for making kind of one kind of like really good thing. So I'm not like when it's like screenplay by this guy, screenplay by that guy. Oh, yeah, they've got some stinkers in their past. It, whatever. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, I do have bad news for you, though. One of the credited writers for the Hellboy reboot from 2019 is none other than Mike Mignola. Well, and they yeah. nope, no, no, they, no, they not, credit him. not not even in a not even in like a oh, it's just based on something that he wrote. It's like, no, he's listed as one of these screenwriters. They credit him as a screenwriter, yes. So I don't yeah. know. We'll see. So yeah, I like look. Hellboy, I, very, very easy to get right. I would also argue very easy to get wrong. And so yeah, yes. I, I, I think that if they they come out with this Hellboy movie and it's actually quality and it looks good and it feels right, it's gonna be a success. And ultimately I care if it's a success only in this in that like I'd like them to make more if they do a good job. Absolutely. I but do think if it's if it's a great movie and we only get one of them, I'll still be happy because uh, they made a great movie. And I do think though Hellboy is 
in a different place than a Superman or a Batman or a Spider-Man or even a Transformers. Where well, sure. This but, is kind of miraculous that we are getting another one. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I, I think at this point people understand who – like people know who Hellboy is. They've made three movies already. I, I guess they made two and then they made another one that went, this is not that one. Now they're making another one that's going – we promise this isn't the last one. <laughs> uh, I mean, look. We live in a world where reboots are the norm, right. and I don't really hear anybody out there being confused about it. No, like I, I don't, I haven't, and I haven't those, heard anybody. Those who are what? will blissfully go to this movie and be like, "I loved all the Hellboy movies. I can't wait to see Part Four. And they'll be like, "Part Four was great, <laughs> you know? right?" Well, and or and also like, there, yeah, there are those people that are just gonna like let it watch over them and right. whatever, but. The majority of people aren't going to go in going like, hold on a minute. Wait a minute. Where's Soma Blair? <laughs> where's uh, yeah, no, where's Abe's Jumping to the small screen. Something is killing the children is coming to Netflix. James Tenney and the four and artist Werther Deladera's comic from Boom Studios will be adapted by Baran Bo Odar and Janti Frise. The German yeah. or, or Freeze, I don't know. The German creators of the canceled Netflix series Dark and 1899. Although there was a pretty big cult following for both. They were like, they shouldn't have canceled this. We really love it. Whatever. Joe, I am woefully behind on this series, but absolutely love what I have read. This should be a pretty easy one to pull off, right? How do you mess this up? Basically, you've got a small town plagued by monsters. A strange woman named Erica Slaughter shows up. She's a little on the younger side, but she's part of a kid cabal that kills monsters. Later on, the story opens up to a larger world where we're exploring the politics of this cabal. They don't exactly get along. Some of them are really terrible people. Others are trying to do it for the right reason. There's a huge story there. There's a spinoff, House of Slaughter, that's also very, very good. This one, an Eisner for Best New Series in 2020, a Harvey Award for Book of the Year, and a Ringo Award for Best Series. It is a very good comic, okay? And I'm not saying oh, yeah, I don't doubt it. awards it. make good comics, but if you're not reading it, you should definitely check it out. They should nail this. This should just absolutely be easy. Kids killing monsters. They're in a gang. This is Jack Kirbyan kind of type stuff. It's just updated with a horror feel. And I think it's going to be great. The only thing, you know, again, you've... You've got two people who worked on two cult hits, both of which got canceled. And what worries me is Netflix is in this mode of just shooting stuff in the head the second they don't think it's going to work. And something that's killing the children, the first story arc sets up a very much like generic horror story. And then it flips it's on it flips on its head and you go, oh, that's what we're doing. And all of a sudden it gets fantastic. They're probably going to have to pull something like that off in the very first episode to get people on board. Otherwise, Netflix, done. They'll just be like, no thanks, <laughs> and cancel it. That's the only thing that worries me about this. Well, yeah, that's Netflix's whole MO. Right. They, they don't like to give things a chance to gain an audience. Right. It's one of those books that I always wanted to read, and I read and enjoyed the first issue. Maybe I read the first two issues. But then I blinked, and it was on issue 30. And I was like, oh, well, okay. Well. I read the first two arcs. It's outstanding. I read the first couple issues of House of Slaughter and went, okay, I need to catch up before I read more of this. It's very good. I watched a little bit of Dark, and it was interesting, kind of slow. 1899 didn't do anything for me. It was just too bonkers. And I went, eh, no thanks. I, so, I know a lot of people that liked 1899, yeah. but then it got canceled, so... 
the, okay, if anything is good about this, James Tinian and Werther Deladera are going to get paid. They deserve to. They're fantastic creators. We did not love Tinian's Batman run towards the end, but I think we've also always argued he's one of those guys that you set him loose in his own sandbox, and he writes incredible comics. Go check this one out if you have not yet. They're all in print. You can get them through Boom Studios. You give them your local comic shop. It is a wonderful comic book. Read it before this hits Netflix so you can be one of the cool kids. From the Comics News Desk, no one understands that nothing sells better than nostalgia like the big two comic companies. And just to prove their point, Marvel announced this week the return of the ultimate Marvel U fart noise for those too blessedly young to remember the ultimate you <laughs> it launched back in 2000 creating a new more updated and snarky marvel you featuring updated takes on the avengers called the ultimates ultimate x-men ultimate ff and their most successful title ultimate spidey where we got miles morales right the ultimate you became the blueprint for the i marvel. mean eventually yeah the Ultimate U became the blueprint for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, arguably, and would be a comic sales blockbuster for a while until the Ultimatum crossover that was so bad, it arguably could have killed off the whole universe, but it would limp to its death several years later. And it was never heard again. That was it. Goodbye, Ultimate U. Until this week, we got a first look at the Ultimate Invasion by Jonathan Hickman and Brian Hitch hitting the stands this June. Joe, I promise not to ask if we need this because I know that drives you nuts, but I have to ask, do we need this? No. <laughs> we don't no. need this, right? <laughs> no. Um, and I'm not I, trying to just be shitty, you know, like comic curmudgeon, like, meh, 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 meh. but really, do we need to do this? Uh, no. Uh, and... I look, I liked the ultimate universe. I, I didn't did like every, I didn't like every take on the characters. I didn't like every title, but in, in practice in on paper, I liked the idea of the ultimate universe. It freed them up to do some truly like weird stuff for and sure. And updated stuff, but also some truly bad stuff like making Mojo a dreadlocked Ugh. white, uh, albino guy that runs a battle Royale death Island. Right. It, it, like, right. That's no, Hot take. I got a hot take for you. The only thing that was good in the Ultimate U was Ultimate Spider-Man. That's my hot that's, take. That's false. The Ultimates, the Ultimates was good until it wasn't. That's, Ultimate, okay. F, Ultimate FF had its how moments. Much Ultimate Ulti X-Men uh, had its moments. How much well. Ultimates was good, though, if you look at the full body of Ultimates? And I'm not saying, like, but if you take it I all. I mean, Ultimate, the first two, Ultimates 1 and Ultimates yeah, 2. Yeah, and then we got, like, three more that were garbage. Ultimate FF had a couple good ideas, and then it was garbage ultimate x-men i never really cared about at all ultimate x-men i i liked a lot of it Ugh. uh ultimate spider-man obviously the most successful it, it ran it, you know it, it ran for the longest yeah. and uh lots of great stuff co coming out of ultimate spider-man most valuable of course being miles morales right. who was introduced kind of on the tail end of the ultimate uh universe as if we're being honest I'll tell you the only thing, though. Uh, well, let me one last, one last thought about the Ultimate Universe. It buckled under the weight of its own cleverness or whatever, like its own gravity, it, if you will. <laughs> it, it's like they were trying. It's like they were trying so hard to be different. Like yeah. we don't want to have continuity that bogs us down. But then, like in no time flat, comparatively, there was so much convoluted shit going on in the Ultimate Universe that, yeah. like, 
there are two infinity gauntlets and America has a second civil war. And, uh, and it's just like, what the hell is happening? What is going on in this, in this continuity? You know, Hawkeye's dead or he's not dead or the X-Men get wiped out. Uh, Wolverine get, uh, Cyclops gets killed right? Or, and Wolverine gets killed, but the, uh, there's a baby blonde Wolverine now. Yeah. And it's just like, you're like, you've tried so hard to make things different that you have flushed everything that people wanted down the toilet. Well, I think it got to a point where they were trying to make it different just to make it different. That's what I mean. Like, like it, it collapsed under the weight of right. its own cleverness. Yeah. There was no, and, like, there was nothing about those plots where we were like, whoa, that's right. crazy. And like, if you think about a good what if comic, right? What if is telling a story where something fundamentally slightly different happened and we got a really interesting plot out of it. Oh man. But it's good for one issue, maybe two. Ultimate yeah. was like, what if, what if we ran out of ideas and just started blowing stuff up, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. and we do it for yeah. seven, maybe 10 years, and, you know, uh, like, uh. it's the, you know, what? it's kind of the same thing that happened with 2099 yeah. and like, not that they were at all the same, obviously, but it just got away from itself. The- 2099, they kept like, they kept adding new titles, which yeah. again, you know, whatever, if they're good, they're good. But then they got to this point where it's like, we don't know what to do anymore we're going to flood the entire earth. Yeah. And the entire 2099 earth like became a, a water world esque post-apocalyptic disaster. Just because and then they were just like, just cause you can't. I guess we're done. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we're done. We're yeah. done with 2099 forever now until they weren't until they brought it back, but it wasn't the same. Right. So uh, I will say that while I liked the Ultimate Universe for a while, I wasn't sad when it went away, and I'm glad that they kept the things that worked, like Miles and his family. But this new thing, the only thing that it has going for it is Jonathan Hickman. Yeah. And, oh, and Brian Hitch. We it, like Brian Hitch. Okay, sure. Uh, Brian Hitch does not impress me as much. I like Brian Hitch more than you, apparently. Okay. I, uh, well, I really I think like that, Brian I think that. I think that these, day, these days you... You look at some of them, Brian Hitch's modern art, and it isn't always great. But if this thing didn't have Hickman's name on it, I would not care. I wouldn't care. I don't, okay, I don't 100% disagree. Hickman was the last guy to come in and mess with the Ultimate Universe. So it's kind of fun that he gets to mess with it again. They, they blew it up in the pages of Secret Wars in 2015. Yeah, Secret Wars was the it's end of the Ultimate incursions Universe. Incursions battle got, worlds and everything, and it just it, got it wiped got out. It zap, zoopity-bopped. Now, right. we did see, like, there is premise for this, because we did see the Ultimate Reed Richards, the maker, he escaped. Right. And he... Right, it's kind of like Age of Apocalypse, yeah. Sugar Man escaped, you exactly. know, these things happen. He did a Dark thing Beast. with the ultimate venom symbiote where he wore it and was able to travel between dimensions without getting fried. And that's yeah, yeah. how he brought that. And, to I, Earth. and I actually like, like I like that. I like, that's one of the things that I like is that eventually Reed Richard, ultimate Reed Richards mm-hmm. was basically like, I think he was the, te- I think he's kind of the template for the modern professor X where it's just like, yeah, uh, no, no, I think I know no what's question. Best. No question. I think that he even I mean, look the at them. They look the same. They <laughs> yeah, got the helmet. They, they yeah. got the bl- they got the black speed suits. Yeah. They got the helmets. Uh, but I think that ultimate Reed Richards just thinking like, you know what? I should be in charge. I think that totally tracks for me. Absolutely. And, and I, I like that there's an evil Reed Richards out there. Conspiracy theory. I would not be surprised to find out that Hickman had that in his brain as part of the Krakoa story where we find out. Oh, this you is, know he did. This is not 
Charles Xavier. This is Ultimate Reed Richards using the mutants for his own purpose. No, that was a conspiracy theory. Something along like that. Yeah. We know that this is Xavier because he's died and been resurrected. We know that it is now. I think that, uh, you know, if that was ever there. There was, there was a, there was a, 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 there was a theory at the beginning that's like, oh, that's the maker. Totally. Now, Um, let's just stay on the maker for a second here. He has yeah. popped up. He was in Venom, Volume 4, yeah. Number 20, Donnie Cates' Venom. He was He's, in uh, King in Black. He was a big was, part um, of Absolute <laughs> Carnage as well. Or maybe Absolute Carnage is what I was thinking of. Yeah. Yep. He was a he was a fairly big part of King and Black. Yeah. He was around for that. I, I was thinking of I was thinking of Absolute Carnage because there was that stuff with Venom's kid. And, yeah. Um, so and the, yeah. This May, we've got Carnage Reigns coming, where Carnage is going after Miles Morales. And in Barnes. June, we immediately that, have the ultimate invasion. So I'm saying it right now. We're going to see Carnage Reigns lead directly into this. It has it's to. Carnage, but does Carnage Reigns, I mean, just because it has Miles, I mean. I they, Look, it's May and then June. There's no way Marvel can resist that. And it's Miles Morales, who's from the Ultimate U. Something's, and the maker has been a big part of like absolute carnage and everything. It's all right there, Joe. <laughs> There's no way Marvel can resist this. I mean, I guess. I I kind of don't think so, uh, but I, I mean, maybe, oh, you know, maybe, what this is? maybe nerd bet, nerd bet, nerd bet. Sure. We've sure. got a new nerd uh, bet section on the discord. I'm going to put it on there. I made it this morning. We got a nerd um, bet. So like, look, I'm, I'm not saying that there might be there. I'm not saying that they won't sneak in like a one page epilogue that shows uh, like something happening with the maker or whatever. But I don't think that two stories will have anything to do with one another. Okay. I, I will take that bet. That is my, and that is I my am going to say the two stories are very much linked and one leads right nah, into the other one. No, because li- li- like no offense to anybody, but Hickman does not do that. Hickman does Hickman. He did Hickman Secret does Wars, Hickman's- Joe. <laughs> yes, which was the culmination of two years long runs on Avengers and New Avengers and also Fantastic Four. And, like, Secret Wars was the culmination of everything that Hickman had done at Marvel at the time. It didn't lead from anything that like Jeff Loeb wrote or, or, you know, whatever. Jeff Loeb was a bad example. He hasn't been writing for Marvel forever, but you know what I mean? Like nothing led to Secret Wars that Hickman didn't also write. And I don't think this project, no offense to anybody, written by Alex Packnadel, is going to have any impact on on uh, secret or ultimate invasion. We got a nerd bet. So here. nerd I, bet, nerd bet on. I've already I, written I, it up. I, I will accept it. And here's how I worded it, just so just so everybody knows: Carnage reigns the catalyst for ultimate invasion. Matt, Joe says, nope, maybe just a mention. So I'm giving you like that credit. So yeah, you're you're betting that it has an actual plot. I'm saying it's wise. linked. Yes. You are. It is connected. Yeah. No, I say no to that. Okay. Nerd bet on. We'll find out and we'll keep track of it in our nerd bet section on our discord. And, and the resolution will have no impact on anything. Just like every nerd. Bet <laughs> no, if you go and had. check it, you can win fabulous money I, and prizes. I thought we wore like stripes or patches for our jean jacket. We're talking something. about something like that. Maybe we'll put some by names. Yeah. Like, like you'll get stripes or something. We should start putting nerd stripes. Can by we people's do names. that? Yeah. You bet we can. Remember when your parents told you that comic books were bad for you? Remember that? They were right. <laughs> Let's jump to the DC side of things, Joe. All right. Not to be outdone, DC has announced their summer event called Night Terrors. Uh, pardon me, Knight Terrors, which probably has nothing to do with Batman at all. I doubt it. Uh, <laughs> 
this, of course, is the it's the revelation of the thing we all knew was coming uh, when they released that timeline and half of it was blacked out. And then they shouted enhance at their computers like CSI. Right. And they could and then we could see that somewhere in the middle of the year was something called K.N.I. And then a second word, T.E.R. And right. It was like it's night terrors. The event will consist of a core Night Terrors title along with a number of two-issue limited series, each of which feature a DC character being sucked into the quote-unquote nightmare realm to confront their darkest fears head-on. Matt, we don't know much about it yet, but we do know that DC has a whole line of comics based on dreams and nightmares. Are the JLA going to take on Dream from the Sandman? I don't know because, okay, DC no. doesn't – just bear with me. I wrote this. Joe didn't come up with this, but bear with me for a second. Marvel has a character, Nightmare, right? That's, he yeah. trades in Nightmares. That's his job. Does DC have a similar character in their superhero universe? Yes. Who is it? Dr. Destiny. Oh, I didn't know that's what Dr. Destiny did. But would his they whole make, thing is His whole thing is manipulating dreams. Would they make Dr. Destiny the main bad guy in this? Like, who's going to be your big bad? Maybe. I don't know. Well, okay, so look. Dr. Destiny... Dr. Destiny was a Silver Age, Bronze Age character. Okay. He's got, he kind of looks like the Taskmaster in his early, like he's got skull face, hoodie, and not a hoodie. It's a, you know, it's a hood. Man, cape. I can't picture. I got to look him up. You keep talking. Yeah, about look up Dr. Destiny. Um, he appeared in Grant Morrison's LA, uh, or at least in that run of the of the book. It may have been written by Mark Wade. Oh, he, okay. He trades, he trades in dreams. In fact, we reviewed a Dr. Destiny comic on this show. He's and I got kind of a Dr. Doom thing going. He's like a metal skull face. Is that what he's got? No, that was how that was more modern and it didn't last. He, okay. Like he looks like the taskmaster white, yeah. white hood and yeah. cape skull mask. And we reviewed uh, an issue of DC comics presents in the cosmic long box a long time ago. That was a uh, Superman and black canary dealing with Dr. Destiny. And it was the whole explanation of how in the, <laughs> In the Silver and Bronze Age pre-crisis, that Black Canary was actually the Black Canary of Earth 2, and and she had switched universes, blah, blah, blah. Dr. Destiny was the villain in that. And um, later on, Dr. Destiny would become John D. in Sandman. I was going to say, Joe Patrick. The guy dream that turned Dr. Destiny into Dr. Destiny. (laughs) Well, Doctor Destiny, Doctor Destiny was institutionalized. Right. This was, you know, pre-Vertigo. Sandman was still technically sort of uh, connected to the DCU because we know that, like, they had just, he visits he visits the JLA embassy. Right. And talks to Martian Manor. John D ended up with uh, Morpheus's, uh, you know, magic stone, his dream stone, yeah. while he was be- while he was imprisoned. This was- and he is he escapes the facility and he goes into that diner and then that's the issue twenty four hours. Let's see. In his original incarnation, Doctor Destiny was a mysterious scientist who created various tools and gadgets to defeat the Justice League. Starting with uh, oh, he was we first met him in Justice League of America number five and sixty one. The Sandman revealed that the Crimson Ruby Doctor Destiny, whose real name is John D, had used was the original Materio Tinkton. Otherwise known as the Dream Stone. The artifact belonged to Morpheus, dreams, dream of the endless, nearly a century before the modern day. So oh, he the, is no, using the, the Materiopticon. Sorry, Materiopticon. That's what it's called. Yeah, I was like, Ugh. <laughs> but so he is using if, and we don't know, but we know that Dr. Destiny is a character that messes with dreams. We know there's going to be yeah. a nightmare thing here. We know he's using Sandman's Dreamstone. Are they going to acknowledge this stuff? 
I mean, maybe, I don't know. It, it's just, uh, um, you got Dr. Uh, Manhattan messing with people. I mean, why not? Like, and maybe, but I mean, right now it seems like all the Sandman stuff is happy at black label, but yeah, they've done it before. And if they do that, Oh, you know what? No. Um, Daniel, the, the guy that became dream after born Fius dies, right. Was in dark Knights metal or uh, dark Knights black metal, death metal. Oh, he like, showed up. He in shows there? up. I didn't know. Yeah. That. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, Look, maybe it, it might have Sandman stuff. It, it might just be supervillain stuff. Joshua Williamson is writing the event. Howard Porter is the artist of the main Night Terrace core book. I am so happy. Love for that creator. Howard team. Porter. That's a great creative team. Love it. <laughs> Give that dude an event book. I am on board. Uh, Guillaume March uh, is also contributing. I think he's doing covers to the to the specials is what it was. Yeah, there's going to be a core book and a bunch of specials. That's all we know right now. So we're just trying to guess who the bad guy is. I'm putting my money on Dr. Destiny. I like it. I think Dr. Destiny Dr. Destiny is an existing antagonist in right. the DC For universe. the so, Justice League. So, yeah, I'm putting my money on Destiny. I Yeah, I agree. I would not be surprised if it is Dr. Destiny. So we'll see. Uh, the, the art that they've showed, that right now they've all they've shown are some like really elaborate painted covers that show... Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman right. confronted with the nightmare versions of their lives. Like, and it's basically kind of like, oh, this is kind of this is very death, this is very Dark Knights metal esque, where yeah. it's just like evil version. And it's like, eh, is that really Superman's worst nightmare? Is yeah. that he would become evil? I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. But I like Joshua Williamson. I love Howard Porter. Obviously, he is our he is a THN favorite. Oh yeah, we love him. I am excited for him at the very least. That is your nerd news update for the week. But we would love to hear what you nerds have to say about these stories. Join us in our gang hang. We do it on Saturdays from 11 to noon. We do it over in our Discord. Or you can post in our nerd news channel on that same Discord. You know what else we talk about over at Discord? We talk about the question of the week. Joe Patrick, please reset our question. And then let's give these nerds our answers. Current question of the week is courtesy of Mark Orenberger. What was something that captured your imagination as a kid, comics or otherwise, but it didn't take hold in pop culture the way you thought it it should, considering how much you liked it? You know what I'm saying? Sure. Like, G.I. Joe, we all love G.I. Joe. Oh, yeah. G.I. Joe was a pop culture phenomenon. And we knew, yeah. But then, like, when uh, Mask came along, we were like, this is the coolest. And like, love, oh, my God, the I toys are so rad. And it was cool for one season. We got a few toys, and then it vanished. <laughs> like, that was that. Like, sorry, yeah, Hondo, Hondo McLean. You're yeah, not buddy. the next G.I. Joe. That is not my answer, though. My answer? Krull. My dad took me to see Krull in the theater as a young kid, and I walked out a changed man. I was like, you know what? Screw Star Wars. Krull is where it is at. This is going to be the biggest thing. I told all my friends, <laughs> go see Krull. He's got a throwing star. There's a Cyclops. Young, sexy Liam Neeson is here. This sounds like they lifted all the music from Star Trek, the motion picture. It is the best. <laughs> like It's going to change everything. It didn't change anything. Ron Howard narration. It didn't. <laughs> I loved Krull. Joe Patrick, what is your answer? You know, I, I was a huge fan of a lot of those thundercats clones you know thundercats oh, sure. came out sure i freaking love the silverhawks man silverhawks I, I, I think the first of all the lore of it is so crazy go oh, nuts great 
bonkers. But Silverhawks took off. Silverhawks did well. Uh, Silverhawks was popular. They had a toy line, yeah. but like it didn't like it's not. It was pretty huge. It, it didn't. It didn't raise. It wasn't that huge. No, Silver- it, it didn't raise to the level of things like Thunderhawks and and Joe. But I was going to say, if you so want to reach it, for one that failed. Tiger like Sharks you said, was their third one that they. That tried. was after that was after my. Yeah, completely. Tiger Sharks tanked. was Tiger Sharks was nineties. We were too old for that yeah. shit by then. One that I loved that like I still think about to this day, and I still wish I had had the toys, which I didn't. Cops. Cops. Central organization of police specialists. Yeah, cops kick Central, so much ass. Organ- Central organization of police specialists fighting crime in a future time. Oh yeah. So man. it was in the future. And like I can still hear the theme song in my head. It's dun, great. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, and like the cops were all superhero cops, basically. They had they were essentially superhero cops. They didn't have powers, but they had no. like gadgets that approximated powers. They were yeah, they were all like you either wore armor or you were cybernetic. Yeah, like uh, so so there was one guy dressed like a beat cop. His name was Long Arm. Yeah, uh, like the, get it like the Long Arm of the Law, and, and his, he had this and his thing. Arm shot off. <laughs> it, not at, his arm didn't shoot off, but he wore a device on his arm that he could fire and what came, it came out like a grappling hook but it was a handcuff and oh um, that's right that's right okay and there was um the, the the chief or the captain his name was bp vess yep and uh that uh, he uh, his code name was bulletproof like bulletproof vest get it bp vest total bad and his his deal was that he was injured in the line of duty and they operated on him and gave him a cybernetic torso and so his body is invulnerable just don't shoot him and in then, the face <laughs> don't shoot him in the face you got you know you got the guy with this with the you've got the canine guy with the robot dog you've got the guy with the giant yeah. laser bazooka it's like and then the villains had equally impressive inventive powers like and they were all based on like old 1920s 1930s gangster yeah, style totally because it was like big boss yep. it was like eh, see and um buttons mcboom boom was dressed like a pinstripe gangster he carried a tommy gun and he could open up his coat and it had two machine guns inside of his chest and like i loved cops so much and it's just like fizzled let's, it w- went away let's test your love real quick what was B.P. Vess's first name? Um, Barack. Baldwin. <laughs> Barack. I knew it wasn't Barack. I know. Um, I was like, Barry? I don't know. Bo I, I had no idea. Bo Cephas P. Beauregard. Yeah, Beauregard. But, uh, <laughs> Like I, I like I love I loved cops and like people. It's mostly forgotten. Guys like us that were deep in the weeds and that kind of stuff still still remember it, but it just didn't catch on. Yeah. I loved cops. It's too bad. It's crime fighting time. Great question, Mark. That was super fun. But Joe Patrick, this question of the week is dead. It's a new week. We need a new question. What do we got? That's right. This question of the week is dead. Long live the new question of the week, courtesy of Ryan Hebrews Mount. Ryan asks, is there a 90s comic that 90s is real hard? (laughs) We're talking chains, pouches, big guns, etc. But it's also a legitimately fantastic read. So he is specifically asking for you to plumb the depths of memory Dig into the sands of time and see if you can find a 90s comic that's full of all of the 90s tropes that we make fun of today, but it is actually legitimately good. And if you come at me with some Mike Diodato Thor stuff, 
I'm going to slap you down, friend. <laughs> exactly. That, that, that shit well, look, man, sucked. War, <laughs> I, I don't know. Warren Ellis wrote an arc of that around that time. So there, okay. Knows? So I was, um, I was actually going to talk about that arc possibly next week. But regardless, we'll do it next week. It's going to be super I fun. Think, well, I think William Misner loves, was the guy that wrote the chains. and Yes, he was. Thor, but. We'll be here talking about it. You can join us in our gang hang if you want to answer the question of the week yourself. We will talk about our answers here on the Nerd News. If you want to wrap with us about your answers, hit us up at the gang hang. We'd love to hear from you. We'll be back next week reviewing new comics, and we're going to give you a sneak peek of our Patreon Extra. We're debuting Hot Takes! Ha! We'll get your comic hot takes that we posted in Discord. We're going to rank the heat, and then we're going to dig into them. It's going to be awesome. We're going to rank the heat. Look, okay. Like, how hot you're is just it? Making, is this take you're hot? just making stuff up. Is this a hot take? Oh, this take on the cool Scoville thing. on the Scoville scale. Yeah, exactly. It's one million Scovilles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hot or not. That's what we're going to do. Old school oh, hot, hot or not. Hot or not. Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Old school hot or not. <laughs> okay, I like that. I, I like love that. it. With we'll less objectifying yeah. than the real hot or not. Well, com. I would argue more objectifying probably, but... Well, we won't be out. talking about your looks. I, I guess <laughs> no, we're not going to get into that. We want to hear what you guys saw of the nerd news. Let us know. Again, best way to do that over at our Discord. But you can always call us 402 819 4894. Shoot us an MP3. Twitter at nerd at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. But until next time, true believers, my name is Matt Baum. My name is the internet's Joe Patrick. And this is the two headed nerd signing off.